This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello and welcome to Trash Talk with TK. I'm TK Tom Kelly. I know a lot of the uh, content that's been coming out on the podcast feed lately has been our uh, Game of Thrones podcast, which I've had a lot of fun doing with Bill Kornfeld, Andrew Porter, and Dave Breitmeyer as we've been breaking down Game of Thrones Season 8. Uh, please subscribe to Trash Talk TK and listen to those podcasts. You can also find it on 94WIP.com, 94WIP Originals podcast feed. I'll give you some of my thoughts on uh, the latest episode of Game of Thrones at the end of the podcast if you haven't gotten to hear our uh, full Game of Thrones podcast. But it's good. Uh, it's fun. So please listen to that. But want to do a... Come on today, do do a podcast to kind of summarize the end of the Sixers season here. And it was excruciating on Sunday night. I think I speak for Sixers fans everywhere. Everybody in the Philadelphia area. How devastating, excruciating, painful it was. To watch that final shot go up out of the hands of Kawhi Leonard off the rim once. And when that ball went in the air and when it hit the rim and bounced straight up, you're thinking overtime. And, you know, I think everybody was pretty confident at this point. Okay, you go to overtime. I, I, I'm not going to lie. I wasn't extremely confident the Sixers were going to win that game in overtime. I was actually screaming. I was here at WIP doing updates uh, during the game, and I was actually screaming when Jimmy Butler was streaking down the floor. I wanted him to pull up from three, which he probably made the right decision to go to the basket and lay it in and tie the game, but I didn't think the Sixers were going to win in overtime, so I wanted Jimmy Butler to pull up from three, go for the lead, go for the win, and if you miss it, your season's over. If you make it, you know, you're up one, and it, w- it wouldn't have mattered, it turned out, because Kawhi, you know, ended up making the shot. The Raptors would have won anyway. But when that ball bounces straight up in there, you're thinking overtime. But I, I don't know about everybody else, but when when the ball came down and hit the rim that second time, just I was just filled with this complete and utter sense of dread. Like, you just knew when it came straight down, bounced off the rim, bounced the other side of the rim, you knew it was going in. And just an excruciating way to lose. I was thinking about it yesterday in terms of where that shot ranks, where where that game ranks in terms of, you know, worst losses, most heartbreaking losses in Philadelphia sports history. Uh, you know, I put it below all the NFC Championship game losses. I put it below the Super Bowl loss just because they're in later rounds. But I'll tell you what, a, a game that that I find it very comparable to in terms of 
you know, same round, same kind of style, same kind of heartbreaking fashion where you kind of get the feeling like you're going to find a way to win that game and then it all comes crashing down is this past year, second round divisional matchup against the Saints in New Orleans. I think it is very similar to that game in terms of uh, where it ranks on a heartbreak level. I think that's the same type of type of game that you would compare it to. You compare it to that. You compare it to like I was another one I was thinking of is Game Six against the Giants in the NLCS. Uh, I you know that was a later round that was closer to the World Series, but if the Phillies had won that game, they would have forced the Game Seven. I think it's in that range. You know, th- those kind of losses are, are just so, so rough. But I think it's a borderline top 10 loss since the year, like, 2000. It's in that it's in that mix. It was so devastating to see Kawhi hit that shot. And, hey, credit to Kawhi Leonard. He had a tremendous series. He had a tremendous Game 7 and pretty much single-handedly beat the Sixers. And that's what kind of frustrates you a little bit coming out of that series is going into that series, I thought the Raptors were the better team. I thought the Raptors were a tough matchup for the Sixers. I had said it for weeks heading into the playoffs. I wanted the Sixers drop to the four seed. I wanted them to set up a matchup with Indiana and then Milwaukee because I thought Milwaukee was a better matchup for the Sixers than Toronto was. In retrospect, I don't think that. Like, I look back now after watching that series play out, and I think the Sixers overall were the better team. But unfortunately, as it happens, you know, so much in the NBA, it doesn't really matter uh, who the better team is. It matters who has the better, the best player. And the bottom line is the Raptors had the best player in that series. Therefore, they are moving on. And, you know, a huge game not just for this season, but for the future of the NBA, potentially. I mean, that could influence what happens with Kawhi. Nobody knows what's going to happen with Kawhi, but uh, is it more likely that he stays in Toronto the further they go? I I think, sure. I mean, say Toronto wins the finals, which I don't think is likely. I'd say of the four teams left, Toronto is probably the third most likely to win the NBA finals at this point. Um I, I think Golden State's still the favorites, even without Durant, then Milwaukee, then Toronto, then Portland as a real long shot for. But, you know, if Kawhi even gets to the finals, it's going to be tough for him to leave. Like, I don't think he definitely would stay, but there's going to be a lot of pressure on him, if that would be the case, to stay. I don't think he will. I think the destination that Kawhi's always had his eye on and where he's going to end up is the Clippers, but you never know. And, you know, this also influences with the Sixers, what happens now with Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris. And I do want to get into all that because now, you know, the the Sixers go out in seven games in the second round and it's tough. It's, it's tough to see. And it's not abnormal though. And I think that's important to keep in mind here that a lot of teams in the NBA need to go through these disappointments before getting over the hump. And I'm not comparing the Sixers to the Golden State Warriors. And I'm not saying the Sixers are going to become the Golden State Warriors because I think it's highly unlikely anybody becomes the Golden State Warriors would they become. But the Warriors had years of playoff disappointments. 
they lost, I, I believe, a seven-game series to the Clippers one year. You know, they had years of disappointments in the postseason before they get over the hump. It happens to teams in this league where there is a, a growth process that needs to take place before they can truly realize their potential. And, and for a team this young, the Sixers going much further than they did would have defied a lot of precedents that have been set in the NBA throughout the years. That's not making excuses. I still think that's a series the Sixers should have won. I think the Sixers very easily could have won it. I look at that series and yeah, Game 7 hurts. The game that really bothers me more than anything, though, is Game 4. Game 4 is the game the Sixers should have won. The Sixers should have gone up 3-1 to one in that series in Game 4. And I believe if that happened, they would have gone Toronto, lost Game 5, but they would have came back and won Game 6. And Game 4 is the game of that series that really does haunt me. But I still believe this team's future is bright. And when you look forward to the offseason now, what do you do if you're the Sixers in terms of what do you do with Jimmy Butler? What do you do with Tobias Harris? I'll tell you where my first call would be. And I don't think this is likely. This is clearly a long shot. But my first call would be to the guy who just knocked you out of the playoffs. It would be Kawhi Leonard. Uh, do I think there is a high percentage chance of Kawhi Leonard deciding to sign in Philadelphia next year? No, I don't. I, I think it's an extreme long shot. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, I, I think Kawhi is either staying in Toronto or going to the Clippers. I think that's that's clearly the way he's leaning at this point. But you would be neglecting your responsibilities. If you were Elton Brand, if you were Brett Brown, if you did not at least make that phone call. Like, you've got to at least make that phone call. You've got to at least try to get in a room with Kawhi Leonard and make this pitch of, hey, you don't have help in Toronto. Like, Kawhi's got to see that coming out of that series. Is You know, you don't have help in Toronto long term. You don't. You don't have anything around you there to build around. I mean, Kyle Lowry and Pascal Siakam's a nice player. Pascal Siakam, I don't think is a clear number two on a championship team. You know, you make the pitch. You come here. We have Joel Embiid. We have Ben Simmons. I don't think you bring, if you were to bring Kawhi in, I don't think you bring Jimmy Butler back. I think you probably bring Tobias Harris back, though. And you could say, hey, Kawhi, you could play with, with Joel Embiid, Jimmy Butler, or Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris. Do I think that ultimately gets him here? No, I don't. But I certainly think the Sixers need to try to make that pitch. They have to. Um, I, I don't think it's going to happen, but I'd try to make that pitch. The other guy I've always had an eye on, but I don't think this is, I think this is even more of a long shot than Kawhi at this point is Clay Thompson because I think Clay Thompson's going to return to Golden State because I think Kevin Durant's going to leave. Kevin Durant unfortunately is not going to come here. He's going to the Knicks. I think that's kind of locked up. The KD and Kyrie Irving are going to the Knicks even though how great was it to see the Knicks not get a top 2 pick last night, not get Zion. That was great to see the Knicks fall to 3. They'll get RJ RJ Barrett who's a nice player, but he's not Zion. I mean, that was tremendous to see that take place, but you know the Sixers offseason plans, I would call Kawhi first. I don't think it's going to happen, but it would be my first call. Now, if that doesn't happen, as we would expect, Kawhi does not come here. What do you do? 
And it, it's a tough call. Like, it is a tough scenario because on one hand, I look at Jimmy Butler and I see a guy at 29 years old who I'm not going to want to pay in a fourth or fifth year of a deal at a max contract. And Jimmy Butler, I think, pretty much solidified over the last couple of weeks. He's going to get a max deal. And he said it in his presser at the end of the season the other day is that he believes he's going to get a max anyway. And I think Jimmy Butler has done enough where he will get a max. And I am not going to want to pay him in the fourth, fifth year of that deal. But, man, I'm sold. I'm sold. If you can't replace him with a Kawhi Leonard-level player, I would run it back with Jimmy Butler. I'd pay him. I think you have to. You need Jimmy Butler. You need him long-term. You need a guy on the perimeter who can make plays and and, and go to late in the game. Because as much as I love Joel Embiid, he's not there yet. As much as I think Ben Simmons has that potential, he's not there yet. And I think you need to, if you can't replace him with somebody better, and I think it's going to be really hard to do that, I think you need to come back with Jimmy Butler. Um, Tobias Harris is even even more difficult decision for me because, uh, you know, I like some of the things Tobias Harris does, but at the same time, do I want to pay him upwards of $20 million a year? Not really. But I don't know what other option you have. And this is where the situation the Sixers put themselves in this year was a tough one. I, I, you know, you like the aggressiveness they showed to go out and go for it, but ultimately this season, it did not work out. Like it's gotta be viewed that way that you only played two more games than you played last season. So that can't be looked at as a success when you basically went all in. And you know, I think your plan, I think their plan will be run it back. You know, I think they'll make a call to Kawhi. I don't think it'll happen. And then I think it'll be run it back with Jimmy, run it back with Tobias, and go that route. Now, as for the trade Ben Simmons camp, this is something that I am completely against. Unless I am getting absolutely blown away. Unless I am getting an absolute bona fide superstar player in return at an age that is manageable, not an aging player, as Chris Broussard uh, brought up the other day, Houston should call the Sixers and try to trade Chris Paul for Ben Simmons. Why in the hell would the Sixers do that? Why would the Sixers trade Ben Simmons for Chris? Chris Paul is average at this point, slightly above average. Ben, like, why would the Sixers do that? And I know Ben Simmons irritates people. I know. Ben Simmons' lack of a shot bothers people. And I get it. He's got to get better. Ben Simmons still has major potential in this league. Trading Ben Simmons for anything less than a superstar player would be absolutely insane. Completely insane. It would be ridiculous. You do not trade Ben Simmons for below face value, which is all you're going to get for him. You're not going to get value that is commensurate with with going and trading and getting something for Ben Simmons, you're not going to get value that's going to make that worth it. You cannot do that. You cannot trade Ben Simmons. You cannot give up on him this early. It's so ridiculous. And I've heard, you know, people talking about rumors about Ben Simmons for LeBron. That's not going to happen. Honestly, I wouldn't do it anyway. I wouldn't. LeBron at this stage of his career is still a great player, and I think LeBron's going to be a lot better next year. But 
you know, I don't want all LeBron brings at this point in his career. Look at what happened to Lakers this year. Is it all LeBron's fault? No. But is it partially his fault? Yeah. I, I don't think he he brings, a, you know, I think he brings some baggage with him that you don't need. And giving up on Ben Simmons, it bothers me more than anything. The, you know, the way people view Ben Simmons, well, the way we view Ben Simmons in the city is absurd to me. Like, does he have flaws yet? Does he have glaring flaws? Yes. But he is still... 22 years old, still has as much potential as anybody in the league, and people act like this kid's never going to get better. He's going to get better. Guys don't enter their prime in the NBA till like age 26, 27. Ben Simmons is 22. Trading Ben Simmons, unless you're going to get somebody who is going to be under contract for years to come and is a legit superstar, would be a huge mistake. Huge, huge, colossal mistake. So I'm completely against the trade Ben Simmons crowd. I don't get it. I bring it back. I build around Embiid, Simmons, and then probably Butler and Harris. Run it back. You got to try to, you know, fix the bench. Get guys that can at least give you minutes. I mean, the lack of a backup center killed the Sixers in that series. They couldn't take Joel Embiid off the floor for minutes. I mean, you really want to look at where Game 7 was lost. It was those two, three minutes where Joel Embiid was off the floor. The fact that Greg Monroe just killed you. Killed you being on the floor for two plus minutes. And, you know, I think that's the way you got to go and you got to hope that it's good enough. Sixers are in a tough spot, though, and this is why this league is so difficult to get better in because it's so hard to get to that upper, upper echelon. Sixers are so close, but they're still young, and it's important to remember that. And now, as far as the coach, which has been a big topic of conversation, too, bringing back Brett Brown was the right decision. And I understand why some people are skeptical of Brett Brown. I understand why some people may have entertained the idea of moving on. But what was your better option? What, do you want to go hire a Van Gundy? Like, is that really the route we want to go here? Want to go hire Stan Van Gundy or Jeff Van Gundy or Mark Jackson? One of these retreads? Brett Brown was as good an option as you were going to find. And... Yeah, the possessions at the end of the fourth quarter of Game 7 were not good enough. I'm like, And he's got to improve, too. But Brett Brown has earned this opportunity. You know, since this team has tried to start winning, they've won 50 games two-plus years, got in the second round two years in a row. They need to do more next year? Absolutely. Next year, this team needs to get to, I think, probably the NBA Finals, or else Brett Brown loses his job. But he gets one more year. He deserves one more year. There was no reason to move on from Brett Brown right now. There was none. The one guy that I've always been interested in, the one guy that I think the Sixers would have had interest in, is Jay Wright. And I still think Jay Wright would be there next year. I, I Even so, though, even if Jay Wright was willing to take the job right now, I would not have moved on from Brett Brown. I do think he has the respect of these players. I do think these players respond to him. You got endorsements from... Joel Embiid, Benson, all these guys endorsing Brett Brown at the end of the season. I don't think that's phony. I think they do like him. And I think that Brett Brown did deserve another year. So, you know, it was frustrating the other night, but this team, it's important to keep things in perspective. This team's still on a good trajectory. They are still in line to do special things. This offseason is going to be critical, though. This offseason around the league is going to be insane. It's going to be absolutely insane. I wish it started now. Um, 
what Kawhi's going to do. Like I said, I still think Kawhi is the number one option. I don't think it's going to happen. It's an extreme long shot. But the Sixers got to take their shot. Got to shoot your shot. And what happens with Kawhi is going to be interesting. I think the Clippers most likely. I think KD and Kyrie both go to the Knicks. Hope that's not the case. Um, but it'd be nice to see the Celtics taking down a peg. Celtics are, are in trouble. I mean, New Orleans getting Zion. I don't know what happens with New Orleans now. I mean, does Anthony Davis decide to stay? I think he still wants to leave. And if New Orleans, I'd still try to trade him unless he's willing to commit to a contract extension right now. Because you're not going to get as much for him in February. I heard Bill Simmons say, wait till February, see how it works out. You're not going to, that's too big a risk. You're not going to get nearly as much from his February in February as you're going to get much as you're going to get right now. So unless he's willing to commit, I would still trade him. You can still get a very good package for him for one year. But the draft lottery is crazy. It was great seeing the Knicks fall out a little bit. The Lakers fall to four. But it, it, it's going to be an interesting offseason, man. A lot of big names probably going to be on the move and a huge one for the Sixers. Brett Brown said it last year. They're star hunting. They still got to keep that approach of star hunting, going for the big fish. Call Kawhi. See what you can do. But if you can't do that, I think you got to run it back with Butler and Harris and see what happens next year. I think there are worse options. I really do. I still think, I after watching this year, I think this team is capable of getting it done. With more time, more uh, you know, chemistry building, you add to the bench. I still think this team can get it done, and I I want to I would like to see what this core could do next season. Now to wrap it up here, um, I want to give you my thoughts on the most recent episode of Game of Thrones, the bells, the the season in general. As I said earlier, you can listen to our. Game of Thrones podcast. It has many different names because apparently the one name we came up with, we stole from somebody else. We didn't know um, with me, Andrew Porter, Dave Breitmeyer, Bill Kornfeld. So make sure and we, I tweet out a link for that from this same trash talk with TK account, which is now available on Apple Podcasts. Go rate, subscribe, all that stuff. Uh, and you can get our our Game of Thrones podcast there, even though there's only one episode left because there's only one episode of the show left. Now, this season has been highly controversial. This season has been, uh, you know, has received a lot of different types of reviews. I've been very mixed on it. Um, I see both ends of the spectrum. I, I think on one end, where the, the criticism has come from, that it's been rushed, that plots have, have happened too quickly, characters have been developed at, at a pace that is not reasonable, I think that's true, and I think the show should have done more to take their time. Basically, they should have just had two full seasons in seven and eight. Like, they cut season seven to seven episodes, cut season eight to six episodes, and I don't see the point in that. I don't think there was a point in that, especially after seeing, you know, the issues they've had with pacing. They easily could have gotten content for two full more seasons. I think it's basically the showrunners were in a hurry to get this thing done and in a hurry to advance in their careers and do the next, uh, their next projects. And it's unfortunate. And that, that is something we're always going to have to deal with. Um, and there have been episodes in both last season and this season that have had their issues. I thought episode four of this recent season was the worst episode in the history of the show. I thought it was ridiculous the way Ray died. Um, 
the way uh you know Daenerys just her 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 camp again just completely incompetent it made no sense but you see after watching this most recent episode they're trying to move chess pieces into place and I, while I disagree with the way they did it the end result I don't think is that unreasonable I just think that the the switch that's been flipped in Daenerys's head to pretty much go from, you know, a, a harsh ruler, but somebody who's mainly doing things in, with the people in mind, the innocent people in mind, for her to completely sw- flip that switch into being pretty much a, a maniac who is going to slaughter thousands and hundreds of thousands, potentially of innocents, was hastily done. But I don't think it was unreasonable in terms of the plot. Like, I think that is where her plot ends up going in the books. I've read the books. I'm currently rereading the books. Um, Hopefully to, you know, refresh my mind before this next book comes out. Hopefully, which will be within the next year. We don't know, but I hope so. Um, But I think that that is where her plot ends up. I just thought the show didn't do a good enough job with setting it up. But I, at the same time, I don't want to let that ruin how I view the show because it is my favorite show of all time. I think it is the best show of all time. I just think some of the way they do things is a little hastily done and it's because they didn't leave themselves enough runway time, but I think it sets up for a compelling finale. You know, I I do think that is, you know, that Danny, some of the, some of the atrocities that she has suffered, some of the, the losses that she suffered between her two dragons, Masandai and Jura her two most trusted friends in the world, I do think they are events that could drive somebody to madness. I just wish they'd done a better job of setting it up. But at the same time, I don't want that to ruin how I view the show. Like, I don't want that to ruin how I view the show forever. I still love it. I still think it's great. And I'm interested in what happens this week. I kind of think that you know Arya I love the fact that Arya got out alive Arya's my favorite character and Arya has actually been the best character this season they've done a great job with Arya this season and as when you look at at predictions for the final episode we talked about it on our podcast as I said I think a big issue is not only getting Danny out of power and killing Danny but also you know how do you eliminate Drogon? Because Drogon is obviously her most loyal, faithful child dragon and Drogon will defend Danny at all costs. I think the way this ends up, Arya kills Daenerys. John, the irony of John being the last Targaryen and killing the last dragon. I think John will kill Drogon in the process of doing so will get killed himself. And I think in the end, you know, Sansa ends up ruling, whether it be from King's Landing, which I kind of doubt. I, I think Ka- Sansa ends up ruling from Winterfell the North. I think the kingdoms kind of break up. Um, maybe, maybe the kingdoms stay together if Sansa and Tyrion, if Tyrion makes it through this final episode, decide to renew their marriage and continue on in, in that vein. And I think Arya is kind of, if she makes it through... Sansa's advisor, Sansa's protector. And I think that's how it goes, but it sets up for a compelling finale. It definitely has issues. Um, and for more in depth, go to our game of Thrones podcast. Seriously, it is really 
Um, it's really entertaining. It's really good. I really have had a lot of fun uh, doing the show every week with those guys. We'll have our final episode out on Monday. They've gone longer every week. It started out as like a half hour thing. And each one of the last three episodes we've done have been over 50 minutes. So listen to it. It's fun. Uh, me, Dave, Andrew, and uh, Bill have some good Game of Thrones opinions. We have some differing opinions. We argue. We yell at each other. I threatened to punch um, Dave and Porter in the face a couple times. So it's it's fun to listen to. Make sure you listen to our Game of Thrones podcast uh, as we recap the season eight, the Game of Thrones series finale. It hurts to say it on Monday afternoon. So uh, stay tuned. Subscribe, rate, trash talk with TK. We'll have the Game, Th- Game of Thrones season finale, series finale podcast on Monday afternoon. That'll do it for this episode. I'll talk to you guys next time. See ya. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.